My voice is perfectly duplicated. And I spent two weeks probably racking up about 14 hours of my voice speaking articles I've written, how I feel about sex, politics, religion, everything you're not supposed to talk about. I literally trained my AI. Literally, we were learning the marketing as the site was live. So we're producing content, we're uploading content, I'm answering emails, I'm doing live cam shows. And in between all that, we're trying to figure out how to market this thing. We didn't even know how to market me. I wouldn't be where I am today if there weren't mentors and or people who gave to me, believed in me. It's those very people who have turned me into somebody who gives back. You're listening to part two of my amazing conversation with Brandy Love, one of the most successful adult film stars in history. If you haven't yet listened to part one, be sure to check that one out first. Without further ado, here's part two of the amazing Brandy Love. I want to go back. Most people today listening to this, and one, this is one of the goals of the podcast, is getting out there. If you don't try, it's not going to happen and getting unbelievable results. And most people would say that's never going to happen. Writing a letter to Howard Stern, who must get a shit ton of fan mail. Most people are saying, I'm not going to do that. He's not going to respond. He, it's going to go in the trash or you're going to get a, a form letter back or there's no way Howard Stern reads his mail. What were you thinking and what was the thought process then? What I was thinking was if I can get him to read it and get me on, it will change our business model. And that thought alone also synergistically with that thought, I was saying, he, I'm going to force him to tell me to stop writing him because I'm so annoying. Persistence. I, I, you could I, have been a stalker. Oh, <laughs> I don't write like one, so I don't think he would think that. But I, I think it was my persistence that ultimately probably won him over. And I mean, we are. My family is huge believers in that. If you want something, you be persistent. Try not to be annoying, but be persistent because persistence will prevail, it, and it does. My LinkedIn newsletter is called "Go Get It." There you go. And that's what we talk about. Yeah. Um, we posted one about Mark Cuban today, who was on my show, and he sold garbage bags door to door for $6. And he wanted to make some money, he wanted to buy a pair of Converse shoes. And you know, his dad said, you know, go make it yourself, go get it. And that's exactly yeah. what you did. And I think so many successful entrepreneurs, executives, CEOs, founders, they all, they all have that. You, you, gotta, you gotta go for it, no matter how slim the odds may be. I agree. And I, I think some people come by it naturally, whether it's in the DNA or whether it's in your household. For me, it was in my DNA. My great grandfather, Jesse Livermore, was quite an interesting man. And why don't you tell people what, who he was and what he did? Because I don't think a lot of people know. Jesse Livermore was deemed boy plunger. He's one of the greatest Wall Street um, traders of all time. From the very early 1900s. From the early 1900s. He was <clears throat> raised on a farm in Massachusetts. I think he had a gift with numbers. I don't know. Of everything I've read and, and understand about him, there's a little piece of me that thinks he might have been somehow on the spectrum because of his ability to see numbers like that nobody else could see, like extraordinarily smart and sickly. So what is a farmer going to do with a sickly son? It was um, not a match made in heaven. So when he was eight years old, nine years old, maybe 10 he was going through books. His mother couldn't give him books fast enough. He was just plowing through them. And his, she knew that his ability with numbers was extraordinary. And she had a friend going into Manhattan, um, put little Jesse in the back of the buggy, and literally he was sent off to New York. By the time he was 13, 14, he was in the trade houses with chalk doing the boards. And at a young age, I, I don't recall at this moment, probably 14, 15, he was already trading. He lied about his age. He did what he had to do. And the, the nonconformist and the type A personality, I definitely obtained from him. So back to Howard Stern, he gave you the answer. And it was kind of funny. But it was a, hilarious. But, <laughs> but, but as a woman, I'd say, okay, like, that's kind of not nice. But you, you took it well. So what, what did he say to you? And he, what, was, what was the reason? They were all actually very accurate and nothing that I didn't know. That's why people said that's not... Same thing as you, which I appreciate. My friends thought he was being mean. I'm like, guys, he's Howard. And I already know why I'm not in Playboy. At the time, I was already too old. I was probably 32, 
31, 32. So I was already too old. They weren't doing MILF. That wasn't even a thing yet. They weren't doing housewife um, magazines. So I'm too old. I'm too athletic. I was looking back at that video. I was very lean. I was very fit. Playboy models aren't. They're fit, but they're soft. They're, and then the third thing is they have round faces. It's a very girl next door, very endearing, pretty look. I have a long face. I know this. So as he was telling me these things, I'm inside. I'm just dying. I'm laughing so hard. And then he topped it off with making fun of my hair, which that's fair. It, it, was, it was pretty funny. How long was your website at? We were making $1,000 a month to or a week to $60,000 a month. How, how, what was the, was your website growing very organically? Slow, organically? Very slow, yeah. Because you weren't putting money into marketing. You were just trying to do word we of mouth. We were still learning. The, the marketing. Literally, we were learning the marketing as the site was live. So we're producing content, we're uploading content, I'm answering emails, I'm doing live cam shows. And in between all that, we're trying to figure out how to market this thing. We didn't even know how to market me. I'm a 30 year old adult entertainer. What? Like, you're not a babe, you're not a teen. There aren't any other categories. So because we were in the lifestyle, it, we went with the term hot wife, not necessarily because how we wanted it branded, but people. They want to label you. It makes it easier, um, searchable, all the different reasons. So we went with that. And then again, life-changing trajectory when American Pie came out and the term MILF uh, was introduced to the world. I literally heard the, I heard the movie. I'm watching it and I went, like I knew, I knew that my adult career was going to change because I loved it. Instantly, I loved it. I loved her. Her, her character, the scotch, the attitude, her financially secure woman who's sexually aggressive. I'm like, that chick is amazing. I get her. This is going to be a thing. And the rest is history. There's also a new term that's come out, I guess, in the last few years, a DILF. Oh, absolutely. I'm married <laughs> to one. I'm married to one. <laughs> someone someone uh, recently told me that word. I'm like, I've never heard that word before. So I, I, I think oh, I'm late to the party oh, on that one. Oh, it's real. I didn't get to move my daughter into campus for obvious reasons. Um, Chris did. And when he left, we got the phone call from her. She's like, Dad, everybody in the dorm wants to know who the DILF is. <laughs> they were talking about him. And I'm like, there we go. It's, it's definitely a thing. I remember when he went through his midlife crisis around 38, he grayed early, gorgeous, thick, like, you know, Sammy Hagar hair with the, the beard. He looks like Kurt Russell. He gets, yeah. we've been out and people have actually asked him. I'm like, dude, he's 270 pounds. Kurt Russell's my size, but I get their point. He does look like him. And he went to a football game with a friend and another SIG app did the, the fist bump thing, whatever their secret handshake is. And some girl from around the way came over and said, is that your dad? It, it, it ruined the next two years of his life. Because in that moment, he realized he went from being the hot guy to someone's dad. Right? That, I, that was 10, 15 years ago. And I, I felt so bad. Because I only ever saw him as what I see. But that moment changed him. And now he's back to being the hottest guy. He's got 20, 30-year-olds chasing him all the time. Wait for Christmas. Because he looks like the Santa thing. Women gawk him. I sit on your lap. And I'm like, excuse you, I'm right here. Like, I'm literally <laughs> holding his hand. They don't care. So I, I'm glad to see him get, and men of uh, over 50 get that kind of attention. Okay, so we'll talk about money in a minute, but I, I want to pick up on something you said. You couldn't move your daughter into college for... Well, I have a huge fan base that's college-aged. And I love them. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love them. Um, you know, being, being a Stifler's mom-type persona... Um, it's, a, it's a really, I love my fan base of that age. However, it wouldn't be fair to her. What does I your will, daughter think about what you do? And what she loves does? me. She loves me for me and nothing that I do surprises her. She's not like me in that sense. She's, um, she's the most unbelievable human being I know. However, in that capacity, we're very different. She is absolutely meant to be solely monogamous. And I believe to my core will be, and that's beautiful. And she knows that for her mom and dad, we are our way and we love it and it works for us. She's one of the few children who have parents that are still married and not just married, but happily married. So her foundation, her comfort, her security has nothing to do with what her mom and dad do. It's everything to do with how her mom and dad are. 
Did she have a difficult childhood where people were making fun of her because her parents were doing something that probably none of their other friends' parents were doing? And a lot of people do look down on it, even though they're hypocritical because they're actually watching what you're doing. I'm sure she had her moments. And to that, I would say, I got teased for having braces. I got teased because my parents got divorced. I got teased because I was too skinny. I got teased. We all got teased. Kids are mean. And the thing that the, the thing that shocked me was my little cub can turn into a bear. I'm sure the few kids that, that approached her and said things about your mom, nah, 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 nah. well, I saw a side to her that I didn't know she had because she's quite empathetic. She's a very sweet and demure individual. But you come after her family, she turns into a bear, just, just like I do. You can mess with a lot of things, but you don't mess with family. So I'm sure she had her moments that it sucked. Nobody likes to be, have their mother called names or, or teased about that. And to me, it's shocking because I'm like, who are your, my first thought is, who are these kids' parents? How at 14 do you know who Brandy Love is? That's my, that's my reaction. Um, but she, uh, she managed. She managed, and she's very proud of who we are today. When you started in the porn business, you put up your website. At some point, you had to tell people. You told your family. You had to tell friends. Um, what- Howard did. That's what started it. I did. Your, your family I, didn't know what you were doing? Mm-mm. Nothing. Mm-mm. How, how long had your website been up? Six months. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Six, seven months. And, and a lot other people have asked us that, like, well, why won't you tell them? I'm like, well, first of all, I'm a married woman. I'm not a, I'm not a young person. I'm established in my adult life. I don't call my parents to ask permission. It, right? So for me, it, it, I turned it back around. I'm like, Really? Like what I was supposed to call my mom, hey, I'm going to do porn. That seemed very <laughs> strange to, to me. And I saw their point, but I was more of the, mm, no, I, I don't get that part. That's a decision my husband and I are making, and it's our life, and it's our business. And the flip side of that is when they found out, when Howard Stern came out, and I can only imagine, I can imagine the phone game that happened because it was within hours that I was getting the calls. And that would lead to the conversation about fallout. So your parents were Presbyterians. I was raised in the Presbyterian church, yes. And am I hearing that you were afraid to tell them because they would flip their shit? Or were you, and, and then what happened when they found out? What was the, was what was the afraid, fallout? I wasn't afraid to tell them. I wasn't inclined to tell them. Honestly, I, I don't know if that's, I'm not playing with words. I literally, it wasn't a thought. The only person I cared about how they thought about me and if they wanted to do it was Chris. That's it. Everything, again, it's our world. The world's our oyster. I was 30 years old. So it wasn't that I was ignoring telling them or choosing not to. I just, it didn't seem appropriate. It, it just didn't fit into it. But because we didn't have a plan B and we were going to make it successful, Howard was part of making this business successful. His reach is that big that my own family, you know, that's how they found out. And it was a horrible fallout, to be fair, and one that naively shocked me. I always believed that family has your back and they love you unconditionally. I was always a rebel. I, I don't, I didn't in my mind understand what about me doing this shocks anybody. I did the bikini contest. I, I had my breasts done after our daughter was born, like all the things you're not supposed to do. I did them. So I don't understand why this is so shocking, but it was. And most of the family stopped talking to us. And his parents, Chris's parents and my parents worked together to attempt to have our child taken away. That's how far they went. And it was for control. They didn't like it. They didn't like what people were saying to them. So they're going to make us stop. And the quickest way to do that is to go after someone's kid. They filed custody papers or had social no, services? Social, they, yes, they, they, they attempted to have social services um, invade our home and find something that was going to be horribly shocking and oh my God, and to their dismay, they were wrong. So they actually showed up at the door? Sure from social. Sure did. And that must have... It was horrifying. Yeah, being horrified. Yeah, it was horrifying. It, twofold. It's horrifying. What do they say to you when they're there? Not much. Basically, get out of our way. We're going to ransack your house. Like they're looking under the couch? I mean, they're... Mind you, our, our daughter was like two, just a baby. And they're going through drawers and throwing things. I, I don't know what they thought they were going to find, but they had an intention. And when they didn't find it, they just left. 
they tried to question our child and thank God our nanny at the time um, worked with law enforcement. So we were protected, but it was a horrible, horrible time. Aside from being invaded that way and having your privacy taken, to find out it was your own parents that, that made this attempt. And it started with a photo that my stepmother took of my daughter on the beach, the photo every family has of the little bare butt baby in a bucket yeah. playing in the sand. She sent that to the police in the city I lived and said, you need to investigate this child pornography. It was disgusting. She took the photo. And luckily, um, we were pretty tight in. We know the cops. We support the local police. So they came to us first. Did you reunite with your family? Unfortunately, my father passed away before I was able to. Yeah, that was, that was very sad. But... Um, my mom and I were able to reconnect. And are you close today? Yeah. She's actually proud yeah. of me. Yeah, I agree with you, but it's really nice to, to, in her way. I mean, we don't talk details. She doesn't need details. But if <laughs> She's I, not watching either. No, no, I'm pretty sure no. Um, but if I win an award or I get a, 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 a pivotal contract or something big happens, an article is published, she knows, and she, she's proud of me. This episode of In Search of Excellence is brought to you by Sandy.com. S-A-N-D-E-E.com. We're a Yelp for beaches and have created the world's most comprehensive beach resource by cataloging more than 100 categories of information for every beach in the world, more than 100,000 beaches in 212 countries. Sandy.com provides beachgoers around the world with detailed, comprehensive, and easy-to-use information to help them plan their perfect beach getaway at home and abroad and to make sure you're never disappointed by a beach visit again. Plan the perfect beach trip today by visiting Sandy.com. Com. That's www.sandee.com. The link is in our show notes. Stay sandy, my friends. What about the fallout from friends? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people, it, it, it's funny when you're, when you're a man, you get uh, divorced. And if you date a younger woman, I have found through my own uh, experience, there's a lot of people who don't want to have dinner with you because somehow you're contagious. And it's, it's not, it's, it's something that happened to me. It's happened to a bunch of my friends. This is several steps beyond that. Did you lose friends? Did people not want to go to dinner with you? And is it hard making new friends? Because people, as you said, they, they may look down upon what you do. It's, it's a tough one. And it's a very unique obstacle for adult entertainers. Um, I happen to be married, so I'm very lucky. I can't imagine what it's like dating and having a really great date and then having to, at least you should, very quickly approach the subject that, hey, I'm an adult entertainer. Most people can't handle that. And, you know, so you, you know walking in that there's a probably strong possibility they won't date you again. Um, and friendships are no different. I have had very fun new friendships develop. And as soon as they find out, they just stop calling. They're done. They can't. They, they don't want the stigma. Yeah. Um, even though they know me and it was very clear that we, were, we could have been great friends, right. it's more than they can handle. And in the beginning, it hurt. And now I understand there's consequences to our choices. Those are consequences that I have to live with. I'm not mad at people for making that choice. It makes me sad sometimes because I love people. I would love to have that girl group. And yet I also don't fit in in L.A. Like I don't hang out with my own industry because one, my age, <laughs> I have this whole other life back on the East Coast. You know, I'm not going to go rave. I, I, you know, if I have an eight o'clock call time, I'm in bed by 10. <laughs> I'll have a glass of wine and go to bed. That's my idea of a perfect night. And um, so in my own industry, I'm kind of an oddball. And on the East Coast, there aren't many entertainers over there. So I don't fit in with the social group that I would love to fit in with, right? So that's one of the consequences of, of my lifestyle. Someday, I think someday I'll find my people. You put the vibe out there, they'll, they'll find you and I'll find them. I just have to be very patient. In the meantime, very, very grateful that I'm married to my best friend. You're lucky. There's not a lot of people. I huh? am. I really am. All right. So let's talk about some numbers and how much people make in the porn industry. In the United States, the average porn 
worker makes $62,000 a year, which compares with the average salary in the United States of $59,428, according to Forbes earlier this year. It's broken down by an average of $100,000 for women and $41,000 for men. In the world, the average porn star makes $42,328. It's broken down $80,000 for women and $28,000 for men, with an average salary in the world is $19,251. So porn stars make on average two and a half times roughly what the average person in the world makes. A new porn star makes around $10,000 in her first year, and talking about women now, not men who make considerably less. They receive $250 on average for their first video shoot. The average new woman starts in the porn industry at 22 years old, and she stays for only three years. Your income is reported to be $250,000 to $300,000 per month. Jenna Jameson, one of the most famous and reported highest earning porn star, has a net worth of $25 million. Are these numbers real? And can you still make a living in your 30s, 40s, and 50s as a porn star? I've never made more money. I'm, I'm hitting my stride and I'm 50. So I would say yes. <laughs> I would say yes. And those numbers, to be fair, are very um, hyper-focused on, I'm assuming, a fee that they get paid to make a film. And just the film salary, because that is the smallest part of what an adult entertainer can earn. Today, and we're going to talk about the technology and, and what's happened there. Exactly. So those numbers seem antiquated to me simply because I, I, I probably have seven major revenue streams. Okay, let's go through them all. Cam Soda, my live streaming network. I have an exclusive contract with them. So where can you find that? Camsoda.com. Okay. That's through them. Um, I'm under exclusive contract with Vixen Media Group. So all of my all of my scenes for the next probably year and a half are exclusively shot through them. And that's a, a very financially viable financial endeavor. That's a media company mm-hmm. in that LA. That pro films, yes. Similar to a movie studio Correct. that releases it movies, is, not it in is movie the theaters. Movie studio. It's the movie studio, <laughs> it's right? The, it's the, the most famous one in the world. It's the most prestigious. Anyway. Um, MyOnlyBrandy.com, which is OnlyFans, is a, that's the biggest revenue stream. Right. I have MeetBrandy.com, which is <clears throat> another exclusive site. It's a private site, similar but different, different platforms. My fan base has different likes, so I have two different platforms based upon their viewing history, what, what type of content they like. Does that mean they get to meet you one-on-one? Do no, you do no, any one-on-ones? No, it's just a .com site. It's just, like, it's just like an OnlyFans platform. No one-on-ones? Mm-mm. You don't do that? Through Zoom or Skype. And do people pay for that? Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah, that would be the fifth revenue stream. Okay. Not going to ask you the price, but let's keep going. My fleshlight. I'm a fleshlight girl. so I have What resi- is that? It's a sex toy. Okay. It's a perfectly molded replica of my lady parts. Okay. And it's, it's a masturbation toy. And it's, it's the best in the industry. And I held out for that one, too. I was determined to get that. The best toy in the yes, industry? Yes, yes. And what, what makes a good sex toy? It, it works. You get the end result you're looking for. But don't the, I mean, <laughs> most sex toys work. I think it's... It's a male masturbatory sleeve. Okay. So it's, it looks like a flashlight, hence the name Flashlight. Okay. So you use that instead of your hands. Okay. And you can, you know, they have probably 20, I don't know, maybe even more perfectly molded entertainers. So you pick your favorite. Um, but I held out for that toy and got it. And one, it's the best. And two, you're paid for the rest of your life. For every toy that's sold, you get a residual. Is there um, a consumer report on this sleeve or probably. sex toy? That someone, <laughs> someone independent. I mean, consumer reports is not rating this, right? Uh, my, my, the, the information I get back from my fans that utilize it, I would say it's a 10 out of 10. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, and is it sold online on, on Amazon is, it is the largest sex toy retailer in the world. Most people don't know that. Candy Brandy. I have my own, uh, landing page that you okay. can get to. And of course, fleshlight.com. And of course my newest endeavor, which is exceptionally exciting and it's very tech forward for an, an- for an analog woman like myself is my AI, which is out. Um, We're going to talk about that in three minutes. Yeah. So that's like, what, seven? That might be seven revenue streams. Right. I think I got close. That one's going to be huge. I think so. I'm, so. I'm really excited about that. 
So let's talk about technology and how it's changed the business. Before there were the movie studios where you would shoot, you get paid, and maybe you get uh, residuals. Um, porn was the biggest driver for people going online when it first came out. AOL, you went from being in a CD bookstore, which is where people walked, watch porn, and then suddenly you could watch it in the privacy of your own home. It really propelled the use of people going online for the first time. That was, I think, it's something that people generally don't know. And then people started building their own websites. And I think the numbers that you told me, 50,000, 60,000 a month in 2006, 7, 8 are massive numbers. I, I don't know many people. I mean, I, I don't know. They'd a lot still of, be big numbers. They'd, yeah. yeah they'd, still be, they'd still be huge numbers for, for a solo person. Although, um, with the increasing popularity of porn, I, I don't know where we stand as a um, industry, but you're saying today that uh, porn stars that have their own websites, it's very rare to make fifty or $60,000 a month? Um, I think it has a lot to do nowadays. If you're talking about like the OnlyFans platform, yeah. what they're <clears throat> making, I think a lot of them do make that. I think a lot of them do. There's a lot that make a lot more and probably the majority that make a little less. But I mean... To be able to, I mean, there's, there's even some men in the industry who haven't even been in very long, but have managed to be able to pull numbers like 18, 20,000 a month. And for a man, that's insane. That, that's, a, that's another income source that probably doubled their income from shooting pro scenes, maybe tripled. Men make a lot less money than women in the porn business. Usually. Way less. Usually. There's, there's, there's probably your top tier, five, six, seven guys that make more than the average female. But if you were to take the top women and the top men, the women are making more. Let's it's talk, a female dominant um, industry. Let's talk about OnlyFans, which has changed the game for everybody it in the porn business. Mm -hmm. For our viewers and listeners who don't know, OnlyFans is an online subscription service where people pay for content. We're talking about photos, videos, and live streams via a monthly membership. There are now 2.1 million people creating content on it and 210 million people watching this content, 98% of which is adult-oriented porn. Since it was founded in 2016, it has paid more than $5 billion to creators who make money in three ways. Subscriptions, which is 64% of the revenue, pay-per-view, and tips. OnlyFans makes money by taking 20% of the revenues, which have skyrocketed in the last five years. In 2018, OnlyFans earned $5.8 million in revenue. 2019, $97 million in revenue. 2020, $375 million in revenue. 2021, $1.2 billion in revenue. And that year, they booked a $325 million profit. In 2022, they earned $2.5 billion in revenue, and they earned $404 million in profit. The value of the company today is reportedly $18 billion. Creators with large followings can make a ton of money on it. The top creators can make $100,000 a month. A porn actress named Belle Delphine makes $2 million a month on it. How has OnlyFans changed the game for porn actresses, and how has it influenced your life? Is it as good as everybody says it is if you're a creator? For me personally, yes, life-changing, financially life-changing. And from a creator standpoint, we have the power. We own and create our own content. When you shoot in the pro scene, you get paid your day rate and you never see another penny. That's the deal. I mean, that's not bad. That's just the deal. You don't get paid each no, time. No, no, no. Okay. That, that's, it never, ever has been that way. So whatever your rate is, that's what you get. And you never, you don't own the content. You can't use the content. That's what you got paid for. Yeah. So to go from that, which is a good, good living, you can make a lot of money, um, to being able to shoot in your home, upload it in your home, and make three or four or five or six or seven times your day rate over the course of it's, that film's life, it's, it, it changes your world. The only, the only thing for me that's a little sad, it's, it's watching a little bit of a, a lull and a change in the adult industry is because that's so good, you're seeing a lot of really fabulous talent in the adult industry not work. They're doing their OnlyFans, but they're not coming out to shoot. Why right? would they? Exactly. Well, I do. Right. Well, why do you do it? Because I'm type A and I'm driven. 
And I do not like, I, I, I love the pro. I love the pro scene. It's such a different atmosphere. You get your hair done, your makeup done. There's a script. It's an exciting thing to be a part of. Very exciting. Um, and now with my exclusive contract, I have balance. I know how many scenes a year I'm shooting. And then the rest of the year I'm shooting at home. I don't want to give up either. And I understand why people do. So I don't want to be personal. I, I hate it when people ask me how much money I make. So I'm not going to ask you that either. But are, what are your friends making? Uh, an average porn actress who's doing a good job producing regular content. How, how much money are these actresses making? And to your point, I've never asked them. I right. wouldn't. But, but what's your best guess? I would say that it would be very fair to say that most of the people I know make between 60 and 260,000 a month. It's huge. And how much were they making before? One sixth of that? They were probably making $110,000 a year. And now they're making that in one to three months. So it, it only fans as a platform has changed lives and the number of people, if uh, you can only hope that they have smart people around them who care about them and are helping them invest wisely. Because if you're 25 years old making that kind of money and you go out and buy handbags and Ferraris and houses, and then only fans get shut off, that's scary. You know, that's, and I can see how that could happen. Um, so I'm hoping that they, decided to invest because they can certainly afford a financial planner to right. help them manage their money. Nothing lasts forever, does it? Are you looking for your next great gift to surprise a friend, colleague, or loved one? Bliss Beaches makes the perfect gift. This best-selling bright and beautiful coffee table book by Randall Kaplan features stunning drone photography from exotic beach locations around the world. It's the perfect housewarming gift, a great addition to any home or office, and a fun and creative alternative to bringing a bottle of wine to somebody's house for dinner. Bliss Beaches is available for purchase on Amazon, where it has glowing reviews and a five-star rating. Get your next amazing gift and order a copy of Bliss Beaches by clicking the link on our show notes. I mean, it's interesting because I've met a lot of social media stars, YouTubers back in the day, and they would Crushed come to me it. for advice. Yeah, but I, and, and it's funny because I'll go to them and say, hey, can you do me a favor here or there? Publicizing one of my comments, like, hey, you know, no, ma'am. I'm like, did I help you with your long term vision? Wow. And, and you know what? I, that's fine. I mean, you know, you, you get that all the time takers, not givers. That right. is what it is. And when you're younger, you're more inclined to do that. But what I've said to them is, you have a limited shelf life. Right. It's unlikely you're going to be a, a, you know, you're 23, you're a big YouTuber. What's going to happen when you're 35? Can you still be doing the same interesting things that you're doing to cater to a younger demographic? Probably not. So I, I mentor a lot of people and have actors, football players. You know, there used to be a stat where that I think the average pro football player plays three and a half years and goes bankrupt within five years. Yeah, I think it's changing because the league is doing a lot better now with financial planning and education. But I, you know, you see, I've been in some of the uh, pro football uh, stadium, the players' parking lots, and you know, you've got your GMC trucks and your Yukons, but but you got a lot of Ferraris and Lamborghinis in there as well. Which there's nothing wrong with it. It's just understanding what you can actually afford. And very early on, I would say in my early early thirties. Um, my husband and I adopted delayed gratification. I know that sounds funny coming from me. I mean, financially, um, saving your money and waiting. Like, so you get a big windfall, you get a $200,000 check. That's a huge life-changing amount of money. Well, you want to run out and go buy that car or whatever, whatever the thing that you really, really, really want, a Rolex, whatever makes you feel fancy. We would put it in the bank and make it, we would wait at least a year before we chose to spend it. Um, and we started that young, thanks to my father. That was advice from my father, delayed gratification. Because again, what happens in a year? What if you break your leg and you can't perform? You can't go to work. We don't have workman's comp. If you're not set up for your future, your whole life can change like that. So for us, when OnlyFans came along, we did change our life a little. I'm not going to lie. We did have a little fun. We, we picked up a few little things that we have always wanted. And at this age and in our current position we we bought but the rest of it every month we only play with 10 percent. everything else goes into investments you got to tell us what the three little things are little things you can't mention that and not tell us what you bought 
Ah, uh, okay. Well, we did buy a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. High five there. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Which it's, one? Um, I have an F8. Nice. Yeah. We, uh, what we color? Red. It's Corso Rosa with tan interior. There you it's, go. It's a beauty. It's, and we, we love art. Um, it sounds really funny, but, and we do drive it. I've put 600 miles on it, maybe a little more than that now. It's only a year old. But every time I pass through the garage, it's my reminder of she's there because we worked our asses off. And it wasn't, we didn't work our asses off to have stuff to be showy or to say, hey, look, my family doesn't even know we have it. Why would you tell them that? I just, that's well, sorry. Our thing. Sorry to your family at this point. Oh, yeah. They know now. I don't know if they're watching this, but know, they mom, know my, now. My mom probably doesn't watch podcasts, but yeah, I'd, I'd get a, you did what? But that's okay. It's, it's a, a gentle reminder of, all right, kid, this is, this is pretty cool. And we waited. We probably could have bought one a few years ago, but we just kept saying, you know, no, we have a very good friend within the Ferrari family that I kept sending photos. What do you think about the 499? What do you think about the LaFerrari? What do you think about LaFerrari's out? Never mind. I could never afford that. But um, I was asking about different ones. And this one came along and, and I said, oh, my God. The Tributo? Are you kidding? It's going to be the last of the V8. It's the last. It's the Pista. It's this combination of everything I love about Ferrari. So I made a phone call to find out, you know, they're all gone. They're gone. They're not making any more. They're out. They're sold. And thank God my friend made a phone call and just happened to find one that was landing in New Jersey. <laughs> and it happened to be this red one. I love it. It was pretty awesome. When I was a kid, I'd go into the Porsche dealership. Once a year, I'd sit in the car. It's inspiring. It's inspiring. Yep. And um, I found when our company went public, I said, okay, I can buy this car. I got a 911. It's called a, a 996 at the time. That's I'm very the, familiar. That's a model number. I like um, Porsches too. <laughs> I waited a year to buy it because I felt, I felt bad. It was $107,000. It's insane. I know. I New know. ones now are like 160, something like that. And I, I thought, gosh, this is, this is my dream. Um, I have it today still. It cost me probably $5,000 a mile at this point because something goes wrong with it every week I, I drive I, it. I, you'll never get rid of it. No, I, I won't. And I remember the first day I came home, beautiful day, I thought, I'm going to wash my car myself, which I still do, by the way. And I had so the bucket of water. I had a bucket <laughs> of water and it dropped on the back of the car and it still has the mark, like the quarter, quarter mark just went straight down onto the car. So I said... Oh shit! And a little character from from the first day. But there you go. I think it's great. Let's go back to technology, uh, VR. What do you think of that? I, the The projections on porn VR are massive, and they said porn VR is going to be greater than football, baseball, uh, hockey, any professional sport. Are people looking at that? Are you looking at that? I'm not a huge fan of it personally. I shoot it. I've shot it. Um, You're in the room. Right? My, what I mean is I don't watch it. I'm not a consumer no, no. of VR. Porn. No, but I'm saying as a consumer, you're in that room. Oh, literally. Like you pluck right down in it. It, it. I understand why people like it. Like I remember the first script I got and they said, it's this new thing. It's VR. It's a longer day because we're all still learning the equipment. It's a lot. There's a lot involved. And I, I didn't get it. I'm like shaking my head. I'm like, oh, this looks so weird. And I don't think I like it. I'm a very passionate person. So the idea of the guy just sitting like this and he can't breathe and he can't talk to you. And usually they won't even look at you. So your whole performance, if you will, is engaging with the camera. That's all like you're talking because you're, I'm actually talking to you. If you're the one watching the consumers, the end user. So it's like, it's like a, there's, there's a human there, but it's really just a dick because you have no physical contact as the performer what changed it for me is when a, a company put them on my face and hit play and I watched it and I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what the end user is experiencing. So I got pretty good at the VR because I understood. I understood who I was actually shooting for and what it was about. Still not my favorite, again, because of the lack of interaction between myself and my coworker, but um, I can absolutely see how that, that could become a a sport. <laughs> I do. It's impressive. AI. It's 
It's here. Is daily vernacular. You talk about it every day. It's written about a million times a day. Everyone around the world is talking about it. How is it changing the porn industry? Is it going to cannibalize um, OnlyFans? Is it going to be a different revenue stream? And then tell us about the great Ricky Horowitz and his awesome company and why you chose to work with him. Um, AI has been coming for a while. You know, technology, there's always rumblings and then it's here. It, it happens at the speed of light. I, um, I, have a, I, have a very, I have very mixed emotions about it because, again, I'm analog. I still use a Franklin planner. I appreciate technology. I work in technology. And in some ways, I love it. And in other ways, I've been around long enough to see how it's changed humanity, how it's changed communication, how it's changed interpersonal relationships. So I kind of have like this weird thing with it. But when um, I spoke with Ricky and he walked me through Forever Voices and what it was going to look like and where the future was going. And again, I started to dive into it from a business perspective. It wasn't just business for me that clicked. It was, oh, my God, this is happening. It's state of the art. And well, well before we go there, let's back up. Okay. okay. So everyone's talking about it. Everyone's targeting porn stars, the most popular ones like you. You're getting hit up every day. What are they pitching you? What can it do for you? How can it, how can you make money? And then forever voices. Why did you, what, what did Ricky do? That was so great. That was so different from all the other companies. The thing that turned me on about the AI, um, Brandy AI specifically was knowing that, look, I need to sleep. I sleep, I eat, I'm a wife, I'm a mother. I have a lot of things going on. So I am not 24 seven available for my fans. I do the very best I can and I love them, but I am not capable of a 24 seven, um, capacity. Brandy AI is, she doesn't sleep. She doesn't, you know, need to clean the house. She doesn't need to do anything, but hang out with the fans. She also doesn't have the human natural judgment. It, it doesn't exist. So the way I see it is it's like Brandy 4.0. There's no human, um, oh, I shouldn't do that, or I shouldn't say that, or, oh, I don't know about that. She just goes for it, and all of the restrictions are placed by me. So I literally trained my AI. But what does Brandy do? What does Brandy AI do? Who, who is she? She's me. What? Online. So what does that mean? They... My voice is perfectly duplicated. Okay. Oh. And I spent two weeks probably racking up about 14 hours of my voice speaking articles I've written, how I feel about sex, politics, religion, everything you're not supposed to talk about relationships, health, fitness, my great grandfather, you name it. I, I educated her to know what I know and respond how I would respond so that when my fans are talking to Brandy AI, they hear me through forever voices, how, how they do that with their software and she responds unbelievably accurately to how I would. Based on the 14 hours of recordings that know how you think about various topics. Correct. So it takes all that data. And there's a supercomputer somewhere who says, I now know Brandy Love. And I am going to speak for her. And you obviously test this out. I talk, I talk to it daily. And I, talk, she, I test her. I test her where I say things like, how do you feel about... Whatever. What do you think? What do you think is going to happen in, in 2024? I'll does ask she help you. Does she help you? Does she educate you? It, it's mutual. There are some times where I, she'll respond to me and I'm like, dang, that was clever. Like, <laughs> she's really good. Sometimes it's relationship advice that she'll um, give. That's it's really good. She's it's impressive. And it's not just the 14 hours I spent, but it's also a com the, the, the software can compile data on me. And all of the videos that I've made, it can pull the audio. So it's, it's remarkable. Okay, so where, where do they find you on this? And how do they get on it? And what is the, what does it cost? BrandyAI.com. And currently you can do voice to voice. You can text and I say, I, I respond in voice. Um, and they just introduce phone calls. So you can actually call Brandy AI and have a phone conversation. Um, and the texting is a dollar a minute. A dollar a minute. And then what about the phone just got released. So I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure. 
That okay. is like when I say just released, like it just came out. I got the text the other night that and it's then, even available. And then what percent does Forever Voices take and what percent do the creators take? I think it's 50-50. Okay. There, it's, it, people gawk at that just like they do the 20% for OnlyFans, but also coming from a real estate background, I don't have any issue with it because I'm, bar, I'm living on their real estate. They paid for the land. I'm just hanging out on it. So I understand how much it costs, how many people are employed by Forever Voices. It takes a lot of money. And sometimes uh, as creators, we like to show up and just go, give me 100%. Well, we didn't do anything. So it, it does seem high, but the technology is incredibly expensive. Let's talk about mental health issues, suicides in particular. There's been a number of suicides in the porn industry. Um, I think at least five or eight per year from what the research shows from 2017. Now when people first started to focus on this, why? Why is teen suicide at all time high? The adult industry percentages is exceptionally small. We focus on it because everyone likes to go, oh, they were a porn star. They killed themselves. Look, every suicide is a horrible loss. It's unbelievably sad. Um, Probably one of the saddest things that can happen. You should have a very strong, stable foundation in your personal life before you make a choice to get into something like adult entertainment. It is not a great choice for somebody who's mentally unstable to begin with. You, it's not that the sex part is hard or that showing up to work two or three days a week is difficult. People usually aren't prepared for the societal backlash. And as a, as a pretty tough individual, it's hard. There are days even I'm like, whoa, that's too far, buddy. And I spend a lot of time on Twitter slaying trolls. I try not to have Savage Brandy come out often, but she does. And I don't do it because I'm mad. I'm hardly ever mad when I go troll slaying. I am trying to beat down the bully before they hurt somebody who doesn't have the strength I do. I'm from Detroit. What do you do with a bully? You beat them up. That's survival. So I don't physically beat anybody up, but I do verbally. And and honestly, in hopes that they don't go after the next person who might not be as strong. You've had a hugely successful career. We've talked about your work ethic, talked about going into something that you're very passionate about, you're driven. What are the elements of success? Love what you do. Have a passion for whatever it is you choose to do. Um, Work harder than anybody else doing what you're doing and be authentic. One of the things that made me successful is something I call the extreme preparation. I'm writing a book on that topic. And I prepare in ways that people haven't thought about, they haven't done checklists of this. I've been coaching this for many, many years. So when someone prepares five hours for something, I may go 50 for an important My husband's the same way. He is an exceptionally prepared human being. I tend to be a little bit more fly by the seat. That's the, the artist in me, the creator in me. But that said, um, it, that is absolutely critical. Can you give some examples of things you've done where you've used extre- extreme preparation and something that ended up with a great result for you? Um, getting my contract with VMG. At my age, to be under an exclusive contract with the most prestigious media house in the industry is freaking awesome. Like, who gets, a, who gets an exclusive contract in the adult industry at 50? And I got that because I set out to do it. I did what it took to prepare my body, my face, um, take care of myself physically, take care of myself mentally, and know that I could do it. And that it would be worth their time to to bring me on. And I I sold that. And thank God they agreed. Thank God they agreed with my my idea. Um, So age, that's, that's out. Age is not an obstacle unless you make it one. And if you really want to go after and do something, the preparedness for me in that sense, it was physical. I can't slow up, show up like sloppy and wrinkled. And like, I've been eating ho-hos for a year and gone, I'm the MILF. You should hire me. They'd all go, we'll pass. But when you show up prepared to work and you, you prove it in your physical stature, when you walk in, like, I'm ready to do this, let's go. You can get it done. So we mentioned passion is an element of success. It's also one of the reasons why a particular porn movie may be successful as well. 
are people faking it in these porn movies that every porn movie you're super passionate about who you're with? Are you faking orgasms? Are you sometimes not attracted to the people that you have to shoot with? I can't speak for the masses, but this goes back to my belief in number one and number two, the most pleasure I get to do for a living, the most pleasurable activity known to humankind. So I go to work every day with every intention of having an orgasm. It's a fail day if I didn't. Like, it doesn't make sense. You're going to work to have sex and you're not going to have an orgasm. Like, if that's the case and that's your mindset and you choose to fake it instead of try to have one, you probably chose the wrong career. Well, you can't be attracted to every guy that you're in a scene with. It depends what you mean by attracted. Well, if you mean just at a, at a physical level. Yes. Um, I always find something I'm attracted like it could be their their voice, it could be their abs, it could be their hair. It doesn't have to be the whole guy. I'm not trying to marry him. I, I'm there for a purpose, and it's going to be fun. It's going to feel great. We're going to rock the scene, and then I'm going to go back to my fabulous life. Like this was just fun. So I don't I don't need to find them. They don't need to be a ten. I'll find something to lock onto that I do find attractive about them, and have the the best time I can have that day. Well, you've had better partners than other partners. There are some better than others, sure. And some, it's just natural chemistry. Right. There, there are um, men and women in the industry that I've known over the course of 15 to 18 years that there's a certain level of familiarity and friendship that we know it pushes each other's buttons and it's fun. So that sex is going to be better than maybe a first time with somebody you know nothing about. So you can develop chemistry through the years. And other times I just find that thing. I lock in on a thing that I really like about them and have my way with them. <laughs> is it scripted or you have an outline and then you just kind of go from there? Depends. Everything I do now is scripted in the sense that there is a theme. There are some lines. There is a story. Um, that's just the way VMG shoots. There are scenes that are what we would call gonzo where you just show up. It's a boy girl scene. Just go. Um, I would say probably 98% of what I've shot throughout my career has been scripted. You memorize it beforehand. Usually. Usually. I try. My memory is not what it used to be. But I usually will get a script one to three days before. If it's a huge script, I'll get it a week before. Let's talk about health issues. HIV, uh, sexually transmitted disease, herpes. I've read that people test on a daily basis. I've read all kinds of things, but I, I don't know what's true and what isn't true. You see porn videos, most of which men are not using a condom. So how do you stay healthy? The industry has a standard 14-day test. It's a gold panel test that you can only work within the 14 days. Day 15, you're out. You have to retest. Um, is, it, is that perfect? No. But you can't test every day. You can't be giving blood and, right. and, and <laughs> samples every day. It used to be 30 days when I first got into the industry. And when they made it 14 days, I was actually thrilled. Some people are mad. It's expensive. Objective. But 200 bucks, basically, per test. Um, I would do it weekly if they decided to do that because there's nothing more important than our health. And, knock on wood, 20 years in the industry, I've never had a test pop. Which means I've never had a, a bad test. 20 years. Do you worry about it? Of course. Of course. I mean, that, that's the nature of the beast. Every job has its hazards. Every, every job. You know, if you work on the line, you could have something, you know, drop on your head. That's why you wear a hard hat. You could be electrocuted if you're an electrician. So every job does have its concerns or its potential hazards. And that's your sexual health is one, obviously, when you're a sex worker. So I take it very seriously. It's also a, a prepared thing. I do everything I can to stay healthy for myself and for any partner and I always not only test on the front end, like I only did two scenes this week, tested right before I came. I will test again tomorrow before I go home so that I know that I'm, I'm protecting my husband. Right. So I probably am an extreme case, but I also know that without your health, what do you have? Let's talk about sex trafficking and Pornhub. Pornhub for a while was one of the most popular, I think it was top 10 most popular websites in the world. It's been criticized for people putting videos up there that shouldn't be up there. A lot of these videos are from victims of sex trafficking, which is the fastest growing crime in the world. Over 30 million children and people are enslaved against their will. So 
2018, there was an expose by a New York Times writer that along with uh, a Netflix uh, documentary that talked about this, they took down, I think, 10 million videos on the site, something like 80% of the videos on, on their website. Um, what's going on in the industry with sex trafficking and how are people fighting? Uh, that's kind of a loaded question in the sense that what's going on in the industry with sex trafficking, from my perspective, nothing. I mean, we, we sign legal 2257 documents. Nobody is underage. Everybody is there at their own will. So I'm in an extremely opposite environment as to what you're talking about. And I don't know anybody in my industry that wouldn't fight for anybody harming a child. It's, it's the most disgusting, disgraceful crime that anybody could commit. If anything, I know people in the adult space that are doing what they can to fight it. So it's total opposites. When that did happen on that particular site, it's reprehensible. That's why they lost their ability to take charge. I'm not active on there. What's there gets put there because it's, for lack of better words, stolen content that is allowed to be put up. That's the way the law works. They're not breaking the law. The way that, was it, CC, oh my God. I'm going to get my butt kicked for not knowing this law. But the, the, the law that allows the user to upload content, right, protecting the actual platform, saying, I didn't do it. You did it. Yeah. So that's a problem. That's a law problem because they are currently quite protected. Now, the fact that it was underage or trafficked people, I think the consequences fit, fit the, the crime of the platform. 100%. So um, I'm glad somebody was policing it and, and got that handled. The documentary is awesome on Netflix. I hope people go out and watch it. It's really remarkable. What's and the name of it? Money Shot on Netflix. You can learn all about the terrible things that Pornhub was doing and the good outcome that has resulted from that expose. You've been very successful in your career. How important is giving back to our success? Uh, I think it's critical. I think it's critical. I wouldn't be where I am today if there weren't mentors and or people who gave to me, believed in me, uh, had faith in my ability. And it's those very people who have turned me into somebody who gives back. Um, I don't, I've read about you and the things that you do. It's incredible. And I think that probably the more you get involved in philanthropy, you probably it comes back tenfold. That's not a joke. That is actually a very real thing. And I'm not in a position to be able to um, donate to the different causes that I want to. I do in my way uh, and will continue to. And one of them happens to be within the mental health space. And the other is through time. I think it's the greatest gift you can give somebody coming up in, whether it's life, business, whatever, but to Connect yourself with people younger than you and try to guide them in whatever way they're looking for. It's the greatest gift. There's a very common misperception out there that giving back has to do with money. And as you said, I think it's more important that you donate your time. Yeah. Volunteer. Both have our... a place, but time is hugely, that one sticks. That one actually makes a bigger impact, I think, many times. 100%. All right. I always end my podcast with something called fill in the blank to excellence. Are you ready to play? Sure. <laughs> the biggest lesson I've learned in my life is be patient. My number one professional goal is be the best. My number one personal goal is happiness. My biggest regret in life is I don't have any regrets. The one thing I've dreamt about doing for a long time but haven't done is jumping out of a plane. Are you going to do it? Mm mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I missed that window. It's not a regret, but it's, it's always going to be that thing in the back of my brain is you should have done it when you thought about it. Like in my 30s, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Now I have too much to live for. I was at a <laughs> bachelor party uh, for a friend before my first wedding. And we were in Vegas. It was a month before I, I was getting married. They all went skydiving. And my fiance at the time says, you're not going. I don't want you to break a leg. I mean, obviously, she don't want me to die, but obviously, people do get hurt. And so I didn't go. And I think I missed my window on that one. Yeah, it's a thing. You, you, you get to an age where you realize that there's the possibility of death, and you're like, yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> the one movie star in the world that I wish I could meet is? Maybe, maybe Tom Cruise. I think that'd be a very interesting conversation. <laughs> 
If you could go back in time and give your 21-year-old self a piece of advice, what would that be? Don't be so hard on yourself. If you could meet one person in the world, who would it be? My great-grandfather. Randy, this has been so good getting to know you. You're so impressive. I think people today are going to be fascinated by what they hear and by the, what they watch. I think what people see is not really who people are. And I hope people have a very open mind now to how they think about the porn industry and what's going on and with amazing people like you. So thanks for being here. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah.